Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi there and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and um, if you've been listening in the last few weeks I've been talking a lot about um, the British war in the Mediterranean, really North Africa and the Balkans in 1941 and the uh, basic disasters that occur when Britain becomes involved in Greece. Um, You can skip back and, and listen to some of those. And really the, also the huge setbacks uh, that Britain has after a very successful initial uh, war in 1940-41 against uh, the Italian forces in North Africa. Now we're going to focus on uh, some of the mild successes that Britain has in the Middle East theatre, mainly in Iraq uh, in 1941, and the significance that these have towards thwarting Axis control of the Middle East oil fields. Iraq, as we know, was the product of the Sykes-Picot agreement during the First World War um, that carved up the Middle East on the understanding that uh, firstly the French, the British and the Russians, and then eventually just the French and the British um, would uh, divide and conquer the Ottoman Empire. Obviously, um, Syria and Palestine Um, and Transjordan become part of of that um, equation. Uh, But it's uh, Mesopotamia, um, which later becomes uh, Iraq, and uh, that is uh, uncontestedly a uh, British uh, mandate after the war. And by mandate, we really mean a de facto colony. And the Paris Peace Conference and the development of commissions on mandates set the seal uh, on this and this imperial carve-up of the Middle East. Iraq became an independent country in 1932, but the British uh, retained the right, uh, as all great imperial powers uh, would have done, uh, to uh, hang on to uh, military bases uh, in order to protect the vital oil industry. As with Egypt, there were powerful pro-access forces in Iraq. Mainly these uh, couldn't be described as fascist or Nazi, uh, but simply um, Arab nationalists 
fed up with the British and wanting to find a rival power that could help force the British out. And in 1941, uh, Rashid Ali, the uh, nationalist leader who had Nazi sympathies, becomes the Prime Minister of Iraq following a military coup. And he thought that there would be an opportunity now to force the British out. The remote RAF airbase at Habania uh, fell under siege from uh, Rashid Ali's army. And now the Vichy French forces in Syria found an excellent opportunity to undermine the British in Iraq by using Damascus as um, a staging point uh, for the Luftwaffe that had flown from Germany and had begun to shuttle military aid and equipment uh, to Rashid Ali and his um, nationalist nationalist forces. I won't go into it here, but um, a book that you should get, which would give you the backstory to um, French um, Anglo-French animosities over the Middle East, I would explain very neatly, uh, though it is a very long discussion, why it was um, the French in Syria, Vichy and otherwise, sought to uh, help um, unseat the British from uh, Mesopotamia or Iraq. Um, The book you should get is A Line in the Sand by James Barr. It's a really, really good piece of um, investigative history writing and uh, some great archival research that shows the, the depths of animosity between the British and French over the questions of Syria, uh, Iraq, uh, northern Turkey and also Palestine. If you consider the um, stretch of imperial forces now uh, from Egypt uh, and the Balkans all the way to uh, the Middle East. And then if you imagine the forces that are uh, dotted in you know, quite a threadbare manner um, throughout Southeast Asia, in Malaya, Singapore, Burma, etc. You get a, an impression of um, how vulnerable uh, the Middle Eastern oil fields actually were. Um, Wavell um, didn't want to move any troops from Egypt and he knew that if if Rommel smashed through um, the Nile uh, and seized the Suez Canal the British Empire was effectively done for and that would there would be a a really short march uh, across a speedy uh, tank race across uh, Arabia uh, from Sinai and the uh, Iraqi uh, oil fields would be seized anyway. So moving troops from one front line to another didn't make an awful lot of sense. Churchill was insistent, though, and so um, the uh, uh, port of Basra uh, becomes um, a landing point for Indian troops, and a small number of troops from the Arab Legion uh, march from Transjordan. These are a, a mixture of um, British uh, colonial, essentially colonial troops, and uh, Arab uh, Arab troops. And with the ability to still um, operate the airbase um, at um, Havania, the uh, Iraqis are eventually defeated, and the airbase was relieved uh, very quickly. 
a pro-British government was installed uh, and Rashid Ali was um, removed from power. But the decision by uh, the Vichy French to become involved in Iraq and the interest that the Germans took in Iraq, which actually probably wasn't as as great as Churchill thought. Um, It was uh, typical of the Nazis and the Nazi regimes kind of meddling at the peripheries of the British Empire to see what would give. Obviously, in 1941, Hitler's entire interest is focused on the Soviet Union, and that is where Hitler thinks that the the oil will be uh, accessed. Uh, It has um, only a fleeting interest in the Mediterranean and the, the Middle East. But Churchill becomes convinced that Syria is the, uh, the kind of the weak spot of Britain's hold in the Middle East and therefore um, launches a plan or commissions a plan to invade Syria. And here once again we see Churchill, kind of typical Churchill really, uh, making assumptions that aren't based on any real prima facie evidence and making policy on the hoof. It was probably completely unnecessary to have um, launched the operation to seize Syria. And the fighting is actually a lot more fierce than anything uh, than Churchill had bargained for. After the sinking of uh, the French fleet at Oran, uh, at Mezergebir, and you can... um, I've done a podcast on that one some time ago. The Vichy forces were going to fight the British to the death. There was no going to be no walkover here, and the British were going to be seen as hated enemies, far more loathed than the Germans in every way, shape, and form. I suppose what you have to remember here as well is that France um, has been conquered and divided by um, Hitler into a zone of occupation and the fascist Vichy Republic. But a civil war continues, not in France, but around the world, in France's colonies, in places like Dakar, which was uh, invaded uh, by the British and Gaullist French in September 1940, even though it was of little strategic use and value uh, to the war effort overall. Well, there'll be further discussion in a uh, later podcast, I think, on the complexities of this uh, uh, French civil war uh, that exists in the the heart of the the Second World War. Certainly, it's not the only civil war that's fought uh, during the Second World War. One needs only look to Greece and Yugoslavia, for example. On the 8th of June, 1941, a combined force of British, Australian and free French uh, troops landed in Syria and Lebanon. Um, British uh, special forces, British commandos that were in really their kind of their infancy, um, uh, landed on the coast in one of Britain's first successful amphibious landings of the war. Um, but the fighting was fierce, and they took heavy casualties. Um, French uh, heavy destroyers. Uh, shelled British positions and uh, then turned on the uh, British uh, escort fleet, um, damaging, uh, inflicting quite a, some serious damage. The Vichy uh, bombers uh, attacked uh, Britain's ships, and escorting fighters uh, took down um, three British uh, hurricane fighters. 
and the uh, overall impression on the first day was that this was not going to be like fighting the Italians in North Africa. The idea that simply because France had been defeated on its home territory that the French were incapable of fighting uh, was uh, something somewhat of a naivety. And also the idea that the moment that free French Gaullist forces turned up that there would be some huge change of heart on the side of the Vichy and they would see the error of their ways in allying themselves with Nazi Germany again was a misapprehension. The fierceness with which the Vichy forces fought the uh, Anglo-French, Australian and, and Indian troops that were now uh, marching on their positions tells us something. The pro-resistance, kind of anti-German, anti-Nazi sentiment really becomes a, a mainstream discourse in France only in 1944, when A, the direction that the war is taking is pretty clear, and B, there is the scope to embrace these kinds of ideas. Uh, in reality, there were significant numbers of Vichy French who were comfortable with collaboration. They may not have liked the Germans, but they disliked the British even more, as Pierre Laval told the New York Times. Germany, France does not want to be liberated. She wants to settle her fate in collaboration with Germany. Now, taking Laval's point of view, taking Laval's words is not representative of all French. I mean, he was particularly fascist and uh, comfortable with uh, an uh, anti-Semitic regime, and it was guilty of signing orders to have French Jews sent to Auschwitz-Birkenau. So um, perhaps not the, the most representative of voices, but also there were um, a significant number of uh, French um, members of the uh, Vichy regime and also French citizens who agreed with him. On the 16th of June, Allied forces came close to the outskirts of Damascus and on that day, the fleet air arm used, the British uh, uh, Royal Navy fleet air arm, used uh, swordfish torpedo bombers, the type that had been used at Taranto against the Italian fleet, uh, to sink the uh, French super destroyer Chevalier Paul um, off the coast of Beirut. And a Vichy submarine was later sunk with a loss of 55 seamen. French reinforced themselves in Syria with aircraft and armour from their African colonies and the, uh, the ruins of Palmyra, um, where I, I have a photograph that I keep on my desktop of uh, British troops walking through um, the, ruins of, the Roman ruins at Palmyra, which was the, originally at one point the easternmost uh, part of the, the Roman Empire. Um, the fighting at Palmyra um, raged between the British and the French Foreign Legion for nine long days. On the 14th of July, Henri Dance, the uh, Vichy High Commissioner, um, decided that the inevitable had come about and signed an armistice. But this was after five weeks of heavy fighting. There had been a thousand Vichy uh, soldiers killed and the uh, Allies had lost a, a roughly comparable number 
um, with uh, over 400 Australian troops, for example, uh, losing their lives. Um, the British particularly were outraged at the uh, efforts that the French went to um, to resist. Um, the belief that the British had was that the French had no, no right to do this as Britain was committed to liberating France from Germany. Um, the brutality of uh, treatment of, of prisoners particularly um, was a real bone of contention. And the Vichy um, French were uh, seen to have caused unnecessary slaughter by holding out to the last, and surely a simple surrender would have saved an awful lot of trouble for everybody. Well, the British assuming this meant that they weren't seeing things from the perspective of uh, the Vichy French, obviously, and they weren't really taking into account the context of uh, Meuse-Alkabir. And also, many French blame the British for evacuating at Dunkirk. They uh, believe was that uh, the British were able to cut and run, uh, having the luxury of returning to an island and leaving France in the lurch. And if they hadn't done that, then nobody would be in the mess that they were in right here and now. 32,000 Vichy and colonial troops chose to go to occupied France. Um, 5,668 uh, decided to join uh, Charles de Gaulle. And General Georges Catroux, um, who had been sentenced to death in absentia by the Bataan regime um, for uh, joining the Free French Forces, was made the new um, plenipotentiary, the the new um, viceroy, if you will, for the Levant, for Syria and Lebanon. Now, one thing that tends to happen when histories of uh, the war in North Africa or this less well-known war in the Middle East um, are written is that the um, Libyans, the Egyptians, and in this case, the Syrians, are sort of edited out of the picture as if they don't really matter. And of course, they were um, chiefly, hugely involved in the events that unfolded had been colonised by the French. The French had used immense brutality to put down um, uh, uprisings in Syria in the 1920s. And they had um, alienated the uh, Syrian people immensely. And so the uh, Syrians had some un unenviable choices. Um, it was uh, unlikely that they were going to uh, cheer at the uh, advent of a, a different French regime and certainly they had immense suspicion of the British as well. However, there does not appear to have been the same degree of enthusiasm for uh, Germany or uh, Axis relations as there had been in Iraq. Um, and the campaign itself uh, was of, of questionable value, consumed a large number of resources. Churchill's generals were highly cautious on the subject, and uh, as they were, were often with, uh, when dealt when faced with some of Winston Churchill's flights of fancy, 
Um, Sir Alan Brooke, um, I think I've quoted this one before, but Sir Alan Brooke said in his diaries that his job really was to shoot down the nine terrible ideas that Churchill had every single day and focus on the one almost possibly okay one. However, the victory in Syria was not to be completely dismissed. It did give uh, an indication that the British were still in the war, though for a great many people back home in Britain or in the United States, as we've talked about in the podcast in the last few weeks, uh, a very important audience for uh, Britain's uh, wartime um, efforts, and even people in occupied Europe, did spend much of uh, the uh, campaign scratching their heads wondering quite why the British were pouring such efforts into Syria and why that might make any, any difference to the war. But the uh, the Middle East was now pretty much secured in British hands and there would be, um, other than perhaps with uh, Persia, which was to be partitioned between the British and the Soviets uh, later on in 1941, there would be no further Axis threat to Middle East oil. And the ability to secure all of that in its entirety um, and use that to power Britain and later America's war efforts was no small achievement. Wavell found that his efforts in North Africa were going to have far, far uh, less auspicious outcomes. For example, on the 15th of June, um, a new operation, offensive, new off- offensive operation, Operation Battleaxe, uh, was launched. And this came to uh, a, a, an unfortunate end rather quickly. A large consignment of tanks sent from uh, Britain across the Mediterranean were destroyed by the the German 88mm gun. And the existence of the 88mm gun uh, throughout the war, and there's very little that can be done about it, it's essentially an anti-aircraft gun that is um, levelled down onto a uh, horizontal as opposed to a vertical axis, um, and it could take out tanks from a significant distance away. Um, meant that Britain's progress within the uh, the desert was going to be uh, fairly poor. Wavell, who was despised by Churchill, um, following Battle Axe, was quickly replaced by Claude Alkinlac, who was uh, understood uh, the Middle East and North Africa very well. And Alkinlac placed at the head of the uh, newly formed Eighth Army, or the Desert Rats, as they would come to be known. Um, Alan Cunningham, who, as we know from a few podcasts uh, ago, had um, been the victor in Abyssinia uh, against the Italian forces there. Cunningham succeeded once again um, after a long, long lull in the fighting to um, race through to the beleaguered garrison, Australian garrison, at Tobruk. This was after five months of almost nothing happening. Churchill was apoplectic with rage sometimes, demanding um, the set-piece battle in North Africa that would show uh, the British public that the war was being won. Um, Cunningham managed to outwit Rommel and um, relieve Tobruk. Um, Rommel's counterstrokes and counterattacks 
uh, failed and he was obliged and he was forced to withdraw, um, losing 38,000 Italian and German casualties, the British suffering 18,000 uh, and the loss of um, 278 tanks. Um, the Germans actually lost more tanks in that campaign, so it says something uh, about Cunningham, sort of the immensely talented guy. This was a cause for premature celebration on Churchill's part. He assumed that the Desert War was all but won, and he was going to be immensely disappointed. There would be another long year of fighting where um, the British would eventually be pushed back almost to Alexandria itself. Um, the Germans and Italians understood this um, in Max Hastings' All Hell Let Loose. He writes uh, about the, uh, the memoirs of one Italian officer, uh, one uh, Lieutenant Pietro Ostellino. And he says, uh, I can only now take up this letter before the English wouldn't let me was surrounded for two and a half days by forces who were a hundred times superior with artillery that really hammered us, but we held out until reinforcements arrived, then put the enemy to flight. We captured prisoners and armoured vehicles. Of course, we too suffered painful losses. Please don't worry if I don't write you uh, so often at the moment. The post can only operate every day. Um, so this was going to be a continual elastic um, campaign with one side uh, overreaching itself and the other side taking the advantage, unlike what had unfolded in Syria. And it's really a kind of a product of the terrain and supply lines. And eventually, the British would triumph, but it would take American help. It would take vast American resupply, um, and that would be how the Desert War would really be won. It wouldn't be a war, really, of... Uh, manoeuvre and of um, anything other than a war of resources and a war of uh, that is won and lost by mass production. Okay, so I hope you found this useful and I'm going to continue with this. Um, we'll be hopefully moving on to um, Operation Barbarossa pretty soon, so stay tuned for that. And uh, thanks very much, everybody. Come and say hi at the Facebook page, Explaining History. Um, and uh, we're having some great conversations there and um, I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.